Before diving into today's episode, did you know that this podcast has a supporters club? By becoming a member, you not only gain access to exclusive content, but also play a crucial role in supporting your favorite podcast. See the link in the episode description to find out more. Now, let's get back to the episode. Fear me. Run from me. Run as fast and as far as you can. But you will never escape me. Not at all. One way or another, I have you right where I need you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, look at him go. (laughs) Oh no, they can hear my regular voice. Ah, it's fun while lasting. Welcome to the GMS Show here on K360 Radio. It's better every time. Hey, how's it going, J360 Legion? Welcome to the J-Man Show, here for episode 176. We making it! Woo! <laughs> and, uh, of course, happy Halloween, y'all. I hope you're out there having a good time doing whatever it is that you do, whether you're going out, staying in, just as long as you're safe and enjoying yourselves. Me, on the other hand, I'm still coming off of that birthday high I had yesterday. And I'm telling you this, one way or another, it was good. <laughs> you know, I got this. I kept it kind of low key this year. You know, I had some had some festivities at the J three sixty house, but I also went back to my parents' place for a little, you know, for a little dinner and a movie. And it was awesome too because managed to have some Chinese food, but managed to get some gifts in addition to watching a. Um, well, he's my favorite monster, of course. I got to see a Godzilla movie, and it was the one that I never got the chance to see. It was called Shin Godzilla. Man, you talking about dramatic. That movie is awesome. Off the chain, even. Like, in here, I thought, like, you know, the the movies where they make Godzilla the principal threat, like, they have that moment where it is tragic and is a lot of crazy stuff going down. But, um, yeah, this movie actually was on that level. I think it was on the same same level as Return of Godzilla, if you will. You know, because, like, that one was where he was really, really menacing, too. It was like, wow. And not only that, but anytime you have Godzilla go through like three different metamorphoses in one movie, and it's just like he becomes into the form that we all know, it was, it was actually really nice. Nicely done. I don't know how they're going to top that one. I'm not even expecting them to top it. 
it's one of those movies where it's like it stands on its own pretty good let's let's not go ahead and bastardize this with a sequel uh among anything else but you know it's just one of them kind of things to think about from time to time i just can't wait to see what they follow up with or whether it's going to be another reboot if you will because you can do so many different takes with him and keep it fresh now as i hope um oh by the way those who gave me a you know birthday wishes and all um i want to say thank you you know <laughs> big shout out to all of you out there i did not expect to turn out like that you guys actually made the birthday even more special believe it or not that kind of stuff keeps me going man you know what i mean now right there that's the human experience that is what life is worth living for not only that you never know who you inspire stuff like that i'll share the same amount of love to all of you when your birthday comes around you know what i'm saying <laughs> exactly oh and uh speaking of which yes just because today is halloween doesn't mean the monster fest ends here now a lot of people when halloween happens you know they go ahead they they dress up and they show off their scary stuff and then they go away for a while me on the other hand as a lot of us probably don't celebrate the same obviously not but then there are some that you know do it all year round i would love to do the monster fest all year round if i could but the thing is is this also have different things to talk about and different stuff to be a part of. So, you know, that extra week is pretty much my present to those that do the Halloween 360 around, you know? 365, that is. But you get what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, shoot. You know what? That sounds like a plan for me. Yeah, it does. Eh, anyway, anyway. Put it on the back burner. Now, tonight, what we're going to be doing, since um, I'm not going to any parties or anything, and I can't go ahead and uh, sleep in, so I'm going to go ahead and give you guys some more terror tales tonight, courtesy of these two books I've been reading, uh, Scary Stories to Tell If You Dare 2 and 3, written by the great Joe Olivito, and he is awesome at his work. So if you like some of the snippets that I pull out of the books to tell you guys tonight, be sure to check out his source and everything else and, like, you know, support him because, hey, without him, we wouldn't have these scary stories here to tell. And also, I was going to use the Alvin Schwartz book, but you've all um, got used to that. So at least with this, it's a little change of pace, you know what I'm saying? So that way, we all have something to enjoy. And since it's 11.05 and I can feel the uh, eaves of November the 1st upon us, which would be funny because isn't it something? We go from witches, ghosts, ghouls, and hobgoblins into going to slay and destroy turkeys, at least here stateside. So, um, yeah, because uh, our good friends in the uh, wild north up there, they already had their Thanksgiving, but hey, it doesn't bother me. They could have Thanksgiving again. Just let me go ahead and shoot as many turkeys as possible, y'all. All right, all right, all right. I know some of you animal rights people out there are not happy about that, but come on, man, just get used to it. Oh, yeah, and welcome to the J-Man Show, where you will be offended. Butts will be hurt! But anyway, let's go on ahead and get that ambiance right, because, you know, it's that time for it. Yep, Monster Fest Stormman came in. Oh, speaking of which, you'll know when the J360 Monster Fest is over, because Jams is going to take us out next week. Yes, it all ends with J360 Jams, number 10. Now, that being said, though, let's go on ahead and take a look at some of these stories, shall we? Matter of fact, your first one tonight is called, what some of y'all are probably doing, A Night Drive. Jenna and Mike had just moved out to the country. They spent a lot of nights driving around. It was a lot of fun to explore their new home. 
One night they were on a dark, deserted road when Jenna spotted something in the sky. What are those, she said. What, Mike asked. Those two lights Jenna pointed up to a spot right above the car. Mike looked up. Like Jenna said, there were two small lights flying above them. It seemed like they matched in the speed of the car. You think it's a plane? Mike asked. I don't think so. What else could they be? Mike, Jenna said. Those don't look like airplane lights. Those look like eyes. Mike looked at him again. They were so high up, it was hard to get a good look, especially while driving. But soon, Mike realized Jenna was right. The two lights looked like animal eyes. In fact, it looked like they belonged to a very big bird up in the sky. At first, Jenna and Mike didn't notice that about them. It was very dark and they couldn't see much, but now they were sure it was some kind of animal following them. I'll speed up, Mike said. Let's just get away from them. Something about them eyes scared him. He drove faster, but the animal just flew faster. Jenna watched it follow them. It's coming closer, she said. And it was. The thing was flying down towards the car. Now that it was flying so high up, Mike and Jenna couldn't see it much more clearly. What is that thing, Mike said. It was too dark to see it clearly, but it had the shape of a gigantic bat. And it was at least as big as a human. That guy sounds familiar. Drive faster, Jenna said. Mike sped up, and it was a dark night. And it wasn't safe to drive that fast, but they both wanted to get as far away as they could. It didn't work. No matter how fast Mike drove, the animal kept up with him, and it seemed to be staring at them with its terrible eyes. Mike was driving as fast as he could. Still, he couldn't seem to get away from it. The thing was very close now. It definitely wasn't any sort of bird either of them had seen. It had huge wings that never flapped, and it also looked like it had arms and legs like a human, but it was too dark to be sure. Mike was sure it would catch them. He knew he couldn't drive any faster, but then they saw streetlights up ahead. They were getting closer to nearby town. Soon the thing started flying up towards the sky again. By the time Mike and Jenna reached the town, its eyes were the only two dots in the sky. They flew higher and higher until they vanished from sight. Oh, man. Yo. (laughs) Speaking of which... This is based off of that Mothman story. Like, allegedly, if you're riding around at night and there's, like, two eyes that are glaring down and something's following you, chances are it's the Mothman. And then he would leave, like, something, too, because the way his wings are, they would leave, like, a pinstripe in your car. So there might be some truth to this, but, see, a lot of people, you know, they're they're still trying to locate and hunt down the Mothman. But, yeah, that's definitely a Mothman story. Mm-mm-mm. Could you imagine being chased by him? Like, what would any of you guys do? I know some of y'all would actually try to Snapchat that, but what exactly would you try to do to survive to get away from it? You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Well, I'm going to leave that as some food for thought because we got some more stories to tell. Your next one is called The Coffin. Robert Burton owned a farm outside of town with his wife, Margaret. He was a healthy man most of the time. But one day he got sick. At first he thought it was a cold, but it kept getting worse. One morning he wouldn't wake up. Margaret got the town doctor over. He looked Robert over and told Margaret the sad news. Robert had died. Margaret had been very in love with her husband. No one was surprised when she broke down crying at his funeral. The night after Robert was buried, Margaret had a dream. Robert was in it. He told her he was still alive and he needed her help. Most of the time, Margaret didn't believe dreams meant anything. But this time... It was different. She went to the doctor and begged him to check the coffin. The doctor tried to tell Margaret that Robert was certainly dead. He said it wasn't normal to have those type of dreams after losing a loved one. Margaret didn't care. 
She insisted they dig up the coffin. She said she would pay whatever it cost. The doctor gave in. The Burtons were close friends. He thought it would help Margaret to get over her loss if she could see her husband was dead. He got in touch with some folks at the cemetery and had them dig up Robert's coffin. Margaret joined in. She dug faster than anyone. Like she knew her husband was running out of time. When they opened the coffin, Margaret began to cry again. Robert was dead. But one of the other diggers noted something strange. The tips of Robert's fingers were bloody, and there were such deep scratch marks on the lid of the coffin. It almost looked like Robert woke up and tried to claw his way out. Damn. Yo, could you imagine, though, like, there are moments, like, where your body just shuts down like that, and people cannot resuscitate you or so, and then chances are you do wake up, like, later on, so... Might be some truth to this one. Could you imagine being uh, labeled or considered certifiably dead? And you're not really dead. You're just tapped out. That would suck. That is a scary way to wake up. Like, you know, especially when you're like six feet under. Or or just trying your best to bust out. And know, knowing full well you can't. And if you're claustrophobic, well, you know. Ain't no way you're going to be coming out of there not screaming or whatever. But, you know, there is a sick gag you could do with that, right? Like, say, like, if the corpse is there and you had, like, one of your old phones that somehow still had power to it and you could call it and then you'd ring it up, like, as soon as he's laying there and stuff, like, have a, any sort of theme or whatever you record playing each time. But but don't, don't do that. Respect the dead. Respect the dead. Moving on, moving on. This one's called Claw Marks. Christopher was driving home from work late last night. His parents always let him use their car if he was going to work. It was very dark out, but Christopher heard a thud, thud, thud noise. He realized one of his tires had gone flat. So he pulled over to the side of the road to change tires. The wood surrounded him on both sides. He wanted to get the job done quickly. He didn't like being out there so late at night. He just finished putting on the new tire when he heard a much louder thud, thud, thud noise. But this one was much louder. Christopher sprung up to see something terrible running towards him. It was hard to get a good look at it in the dark. It ran on two feet like a person, but it was much bigger than a man. And its skin was green. It was almost looking like a cross between a human and a lizard. Christopher jumped in his car and tried to drive off, but before he could, the monster hopped on the roof of the car and started banging on it. Christopher drove fast, and eventually the thing fell off. He didn't stop to get a good look at it. When he got home... His parents were angry that he was out so late. They were even more angry when they saw the car. The car, w- the car was a wreck. The windows were cracked, one of the side mirrors was gone, and there were huge dents all over it. Christopher told him the story. At first, they didn't believe him. They thought he made it the story to explain why the car was in such bad shape. But when they looked at a closer surface of the car, the roof was covered in deep scratches, and it almost looked like some sort of huge animal tried to claw its way in. Sounds like La Chupacabra. Yeah, that might be La Chupacabra. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, if you're out there in those areas, I think it should be um, legal for you to have a shotgun in the back. Almost like a police officer, right? So, like, when you see... Well, hold on a minute. That's why we're in this problem, right? So, I don't know. But, like I said, once again, if he, if you're out there, that's bad enough. But if somebody else out there... And it's a creature of sorts. Nothing good will come from that either. So it's all about protecting yourself. And you know, uh, blunt force trauma and stakes can only do so much when you got a little pump action going on. 
and you just got to go ahead and take them out. A little different, a little different. It's all about circumstances, you know? Now, this one's called Faces. Maria was feeding her newborn baby in the kitchen one night. Suddenly, the baby looked down towards the floor and started crying. Maria looked down to see what upset her. To her horror, Maria saw the image of a human face had appeared on the floor. It almost looked like a child's painting. There wasn't a lot of detail, but it looked like the face was of someone who was in pain. Maria's son destroyed the face and poured new concrete over the spot on the floor. But the face appeared again the next night. This time there were more. They all looked like they were in pain or like they were angry. Maria and her son tried painting over them, but they would keep coming back every night. It seemed like there would be more and more of them. It got so bad that Maria asked her priest to come and bless the house. When he arrived, he told her he knew why the faces kept appearing. Why, Maria asked. This land used to be a hospital, he said. A lot of people died here. The priest did a ritual to put the spirits at rest. After that, the faces stopped showing up. Over the years, some people stopped believing in the story. They thought Maria had made it up all for attention. But even though many tried, they were never able to explain where the faces came from. You know, there's a variation on that story, too. Like, um... You know, when faces just randomly appear in things. No, I'm not talking about that Jesus stuff. But then again, it's Jesus. Jesus can appear anywhere he wants. You know, much like all the other stuff. Same thing with God. But here's the crazy stuff, right? Like, when you have mul- multiple moments like that. The one story I heard on a variation with this was when um this man was accused. He, he had a criminal record, yes. But he was accused of raping and killing someone. And the thing is, he kept admitting that he didn't do it he had nothing to do with it he he was not guilty at all but the uh but the no he wasn't a guard but the um interrogating officer who had a who had a record of breaking down even the most hardened criminals to get them to confess he wanted to maintain his record he wasn't trying to protect anybody he just kept going onward and onward until he abused and beat the man and the man you know got upset as they were taking him out, he said, I didn't do anything. And then he slapped his bloody palm on the wall. Okay. And then as soon as he slapped his bloody palm on the wall, you know, he walked out of there, but the bloody palm just, you know, stayed there. And each and every time, like that interrogating officer interrogated a suspect, the bloody palm would always be there. And then he tried to get painters to paint over it, try to get people to sand over it. But one way or another, that bloody palm kept coming. So the one day when, you know, the guy was trying to interrogate another suspect and then a heart attack happened and that heart attack took him out. The bloody palm disappeared. So, you know, maybe there's some truth to that. Maybe like when they build um, houses on top of land of the restless, you know, chances are they're going to come and want restitution on your ass. Matter of fact, there's several movies about that. It's called Porter Guys. At least one and two. I don't know. I think three kind of sucked. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> this next one is called Hands. Not a lot of people like to drive down the old road through the woods. The road should have been safe, but lots of people still get in accidents when they took it. Alan didn't know those stories. He was in the area one night visiting some old friends. On his way back, he decided to take the road. It was a nice night, and he liked driving through the woods on nice nights. Fool. The road was empty except for his car. He drove carefully in any case that animals would dart out from the woods. 
Alan had driven less than a mile when his car jerked suddenly to the right. He almost went off the road, but he was able to get the steering wheel straight again. When he looked down at the steering wheel, he was nearly frozen in terror. A pair of ghostly hands was gripping it. Without warning, they turned the wheel to the left. Again, Alan was barely able to get the wheel straight again. He tried to stop the car, but instead it was speeding up. He was flying down the road, going much too fast. The hands once again forced the car to the right. The wheels went off the road, but Alan got control of it again before driving straight into a ditch. For miles, it went on like this. The ghostly hands kept trying to send the car, flying off the road. It took all of Alan's effort to keep the car straight. All this time, he was speeding like a madman. He didn't mean to, but it seemed like the car had a life of his own. He was sure he would crash eventually. Finally, Alan saw he was getting close to the end of the road. For some reason, he knew if he got there, he would be safe. But the hands were stronger than ever. His car would swerve to the right, then suddenly swerve to the left. And there was nothing he could do to stop it. Alan used all his strength to grip the steering wheel and keep it straight. He was so close to the end of the road, but he wasn't sure how much longer he could hold on. Finally, he reached a stoplight that marked the road's end point. And as soon as he got there, the car stopped and the ghostly hands vanished from sight. Jesus Christ, man. Now that's scary. You know, I don't know what's scarier. That or the fact that, you know, chances are it could be a ghost's foot or something on the gas pedal and never going towards the brake, even though you know you have to brake. And, oh man, that's creepy. You know something, though? I, I think, like, certain roads out there do tell a story like that, especially, like, if the... The, the apparition is from maybe an alcoholic or somebody that was killed out there on the road, like vengeful ghosts and all, you know. And this particular one was going to have him experience the same thing he experienced, regardless what. And either way, old Alan would have been dead because of <laughs> blunt force trauma. That's just crazy, though. Oh, boy. Oh, you'll probably like this one. This one is called The Unsolved Murder. Something strange was happening at the Gruber farm. One morning, Mr. Gruber found a set of footprints in the snow. They came from nearby woods and stopped at the farm. He looked around but couldn't find the person the footprints belonged to. Then the noises start. The family heard footsteps coming from some of the other rooms. When they were sure that no one was in them, the family maid quit. She said the house was haunted. Mr. Gruber also noticed that some items would go missing around the farm like food. One morning, the Gruber children didn't arrive at school. For a few days, no one saw any member of the family in town. Some villagers finally headed over to the farm to see what the trouble was, and they found a terrible scene. Every member of the Gruber family was in the barn. So the new maid... Oh, wow, she was there too. They had been killed with an axe. See, I was thinking that she did it. But anyway, anyway. So that's when people remembered all the strange story Mr. Gruber had told. They didn't think much of him at the time, but now they seem more serious. The police figured that the killer must have been hiding out in different parts of the farm for a long time. One night, he came out from hiding and killed the Grubers and their maid. But, they never found the killer. Could you imagine, like, you know, being... Like, for one day, that things would, um... You, you could you really imagine like for one day like things are normal nothing's a problem but then all of a sudden stuff starts disappearing around you and like you know things like where you put them like certain food items and all and it's not because you ate them or anything it's because like one way or another you think it's haunted but 
is even worse than that. It's a stranger in your house. Like, some of them old houses and stuff that people will actually buy or look into, like, chances are you have one of those things where it's like somebody or anybody could come out of the crawl space or areas where, like, you think people are not supposed to live at for quite some time, and you see, like, sleeping bags, Snickers bars, wrappers, any sort of thing that they could find along with a pickle jar. If you think that's a pickle in it, you're not paying attention. That's a... You know what I mean. It's a toilet. One way or another... Somebody is squatting in that house, and you probably just had the place at a reasonable price or all those other scenarios where, you know, the deal's too good to be true. I mean, like, that stuff is just scary, man. The fact that you could have squatters sitting up in there, and you don't even know it. Like, like they're so good at being quiet. And then, like, when you go to sleep, they're not asleep. They're sitting up watching the late show and all that kind of stuff. But the thing is, is that somehow they don't need to listen to the volume to know what's going on. But you're still knocked down to sleep. Unbelievable, man. <laughs> All right, now these stories come out of scary stories to tell if you dare three. Uh, this one is called The Chase. So let's see what happened. This happened when I was in high school. I was on the basketball team because we live in a very rural part of the country. We would have to travel to a very long way to play games against other schools sometimes. Usually we would stay at a hotel overnight after a game if the trip was going to be very long. But there were some trips when the school didn't have enough money to pay for hotels. This was one of those trips. After finishing up our game at another school many hours from our own, we all piled in on the bus and headed back home. It was late at night and it would be a very long drive. Most of the others on the team fell asleep pretty fast. For some reason, I couldn't sleep very well, so I decided to stay up and look out the window during the trip. I lived near a Native American reservation back then. You couldn't see much of it in the dark night. But even so, I felt like I had to look out the window the whole time. It was almost like something was looking back at me. I should also point out that the bus driver was driving very fast at this point. He'd actually started driving very fast as soon as we got to the reservation. Before that point, he'd been taking it nice and slow. What I saw next would have been strange no matter what, but it was even stranger when I remember how fast we were driving. Out in the field next to the road, I saw a figure running towards the bus. We were going no more than 70 miles per hour at this point, but this figure seemed like it was gaining on us quickly. Once it was close enough, I could see that its body was the shape of a person's, but it was very tall. Its face was black, and its eyes were glowing. The figure was now running alongside the road and had no trouble keeping up with our bus. Even though we were going so fast, it stared at me with just those terrible glowing eyes. I wanted to look away or at least tell someone else about what I was seeing, but I couldn't seem to. Then the thing started smiling at me. This wasn't a normal smile. It was ear-to-ear smile, and beneath its lips, I could see the thing's horrible yellow teeth. I don't know how long this lasted, or it could have been a few seconds, but it felt like hours. And finally, the thing fell to all fours. It looked like its bones were starting to crack inside of itself, as if it was turning into some kind of animal. Hair started growing all over its body. After a few seconds, whatever it had turned into was a coyote. And I know what coyotes look like, having grown up near them. And that was exactly what I saw. It ran off into the night, and that was the last I saw of it. Yo. (laughs) Skinwalkers, man. Oh, man, that is awesome. (laughs) No, it's horrible as hell if you know the legend of a skinwalker. But but for this particular story, I think that's pretty cool. I mean, the fact that these these guys have just come out of the woodwork, too. Like, you know, everybody talks about its cousin, the werewolf, but a skinwalker is just as deadly as can be, too.
Might as well just go ahead and keep a lookout. I think skinwalkers can operate in the day, can't they? Now that I think about it, I should have pulled up the legend and told y'all about that a little bit. But, uh, nah. <laughs> Alright, so, let's see about a few more stories for you all. Okay, the crying baby. A lot of baby stories, huh? Hmm. Interesting. Lynn and Bobby's parents had gone out for the night, so Sam was babysitting them. Everything was normal for most of the night. They played games, watched TV, and told jokes. By the time it was dark out, they were all sitting around the TV downstairs watching the show. But soon they started to hear a noise that didn't sound like it was coming from the TV at all. Did you hear that, Sam asked the children? Bobby and Lynn both said they did. It sounded like a baby crying outside, Lynn said. Sam agreed that it did. The crying seemed to be coming from right outside the front door. You two stay here, Sam said. I'm going to go see what's wrong. Should we call the police, Bobby asked. Yeah, yeah, Bobby has a very deep voice for an eight-year-old. Kind of like Gohan. Wait for me to get back, Sam said. I'll call them. Sam headed upstairs and walked out the front door. A few seconds later, the crying stopped, but Sam didn't come back in right away. She's probably trying to calm the baby down first, Lynn said. She'll be back. But she didn't come back. Many minutes passed. Lynn and Bobby started to get very scared. They both looked out the window, but they didn't see anyone. They thought about going outside to look for Sam, but they had been told to stay put. The children tried to call her, but no one answered. Bobby finally decided to call the police, and when he told them what had happened, the officer on the other line told them to stay put. He was sending somebody over right away. The officer made them promise not to go outside in the meantime. The police got to their home very quickly. It ain't the cops from around here, then. Bobby and Lynn asked where Sam was, but the officer wouldn't say anything until their parents got home. One officer sat with them around the TV while another waited by the door. Bobby and Lynn's parents got home about an hour later. When they saw a police car in the driveway and an officer waiting at the door, they rushed inside and asked what was wrong. The officers told them what happened. They told Bobby, Lynn, and both their parents to call the police if they ever hear a baby crying outside again. There was a killer on loose in the state who was tricking people into coming outside by playing a recording of a baby crying outside people's homes. When someone came out to find out what was wrong, he would usually force them into his car and drive off with them. Only one person managed to escape so far. That's how the police knew about his trick. The killer usually played his trick on babysitters. So watch your ass! <laughs> yeah well you know honestly though that's not too far from the truth because um if you consider it like some of the voice changers out here oh there i go <laughs> but if you consider some of the voice changers and things out here and not to mention that as everybody has a camera everybody has a voice recorder too you got to be careful and some of those voice recorders you know can be very accurate in what sounds they pull especially when it comes in clear as a bell yeah, 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 man, you gotta, you gotta always check yourself, whether you're a kid or whether you are a teenage woman, things like that, just gotta be aware of what's going down. Now, your next one will be the woman in the window. Charles Perry was a soldier in the Civil War, but he wasn't always fighting in battle. Sometimes his job was to go to nearby farms and houses to ask for supplies. Because of the war, people knew the army needed milk, eggs, water, and other things like that from time to time. Charles was looking for houses to get supplies from one day when he found an old farm in a part of the country that he'd never been to before. Smoke was coming out of the chimney, so he knocked on the door and asked to come in. No one answered. He knocked harder and told him he was a soldier who needed supplies for the army. Still no answer. 
At first, he decided to look for another house. Maybe who lives here forgot to put the fire out, he said to himself. Charles started to walk away when he noticed something in the upstairs window. A beautiful woman was looking down at him. She had flowing brown hair and wore a pink silk dress. Hey, baby. This made Charles change his mind. He forced his way into the farm and called out for the woman. Why didn't you answer me? He asked. Don't you know I'm a soldier? We need supplies. He didn't get a reply, but the fire was still burning and there was food at the table, so he was sure somebody was in the house. Charles headed upstairs to call out for the woman, but still no answer. He searched every corner of every room and couldn't find anyone. Maybe I'm just imagining things, he told himself. He was about to leave when he saw the woman out of the corner of his eye in one of the rooms, unless she snuck in the closet door he had missed when searching for her, but he made his way over to that spot. There was no door at all. The wall was completely solid. Charles decided to find the closest neighbor to ask about the woman he had seen. Pretty soon he reached another farmhouse about a mile away. An old woman came out to greet him. Who lives a f- who lives in the farmhouse a mile to the south, he asked. I saw a woman in there, but now I can't find her. The old woman seemed confused. No one lives in that house anymore, she said. A drunken soldier stopped by there a couple of years ago and killed the woman who lived in that farm, which she wouldn't give him any money. It was very sad. She was a beautiful girl, had pretty brown hair, and always wore her best pink silk dress. Charles couldn't believe it. He went back to the old farmhouse to see for himself. That old woman must be crazy, he said. But when he got in there, the smoke wasn't coming from the chimney anymore. Inside, there was no fire burning, no food at the table. The place was dark and filled with cobwebs. And the only sign that someone had ever been there was his footprints on the dusty floor. Sheesh. You know, what What can y'all say to that? Nothing. <laughs> That's about the only thing you can say about that, you know? Wild, creepy stuff, man. Whew. I felt the chill on that one. I mean, all that spread laid out there, and a beautiful woman up there, and then all of a sudden it turns out that none of it was real. Would you go mad from the revelation like that? See, I'm quite mad already, but the thing is, that probably would add to it. Ugh. Scary. Okay, y'all. This will be your next one. It's called A Cold Feeling. Jones was a student at the college a few hours away from where he grew up. That weekend, he drove home to visit his grandmother. She'd raised him since he was a child, and she was feeling very sick, so he wanted to check in on her. When Jones reached his grandmother's house, he saw that she was much sicker than she had told him. I have to take you to the hospital, Jones said. You need to see a doctor. I don't need to go to no hospital, his grandmother said. I'll be fine. She was an old-fashioned woman who thought she could take care of herself. Most of the time, Jones would let her make these types of choices on her own, but this time was different. He knew she'd get much worse if he hadn't get her some help from a doctor. Finally, Jones convinced his grandmother to let him drive her to the nearby hospital. He stayed with her for a few days, but he had a big test coming up, so by Wednesday he had to drive back to the college. His grandmother had been pretty calm during her time at the hospital, but when Jones said he was going to drive back to the college... That changed. She was very upset and asked him not to leave. I have to go back to school for this test. I'll be back here very soon, he said. That night, Jones drove back to the college. was already cold. But as he drove back, he noticed his car kept getting colder and colder. Much colder than he thought it should be. He turned up the heat, but it didn't do any good. Then he saw something in the rearview mirror. When the car was at its coldest, he swore he saw his grandmother wrapped up in a blanket in the back seat. He parked the car and turned around to check, but there was no one there. 
Must have been my imagination, Jones thought. He started the car again and began driving back to the college. His friends were waiting for him in the parking lot as soon as he got there. There was a phone call for you, one of his friends said. I think you should go and find out what it was all about. We'll unpack your car. Jones did as he was told. In the meantime, his friends took his bags up to his room. They noticed the inside of the car was very, very cold. Far too cold for that night. When Jones got back to the room, he told his friends what the phone call had been about. It turned out his grandmother had died in the hospital while he was driving to the college. The doctor said she died at 7 o'clock that night. And that was the same time he seen her in the rearview mirror. Whew. You know, I just felt some chills from that, too. <laughs> Tell you the truth, it doesn't take much, man. Like, you know, you should really feel the temp sometimes. I remember reading this story, and I think I told you all that, where there was this haunted room at this college. And the thing is, the reason why they knew it was haunted was because whereas everything else was warm in the dorm, that particular room was always cold. And it, it stayed cold to the point where if it got colder... There would be the image of a young man or a young woman in there. And as that person is in there, it's said that that person is actually the spirit of someone who who was killed or some sort of way died in that room. And they kept trying to exercise it in some ways. And then in another way, like they kept trying to get rid of it to no avail. It got to the point where they shut down that whole area in the college. And you see, like some of these colleges are very old and then like these dorm rooms and living spaces do they ever get checked out or did you know what i mean like you always question that but some of these very very old places they they might have some stories to tell in them i remember like i i lived on a dorm one time this is when i was going to dsu for that one year and um it used to get real cold up there so i don't know maybe there was a haunted area nearby but I didn't see too much of anything other than, like, uh, drunk fools pooping on the floor and crap. Yeah, yeah, you know, dorm life, man. If you can avoid it, avoid it. But if you really want to experience that stuff, yeah, it's wild. So, let's see. We got a few more minutes in the show. So, um, hmm, you guys think you're ready for one more story before I go ahead and I hit us out of here? Yeah, let me go ahead and give you another one. This one's called The Prank. During the first few weeks of college, the frat would play pranks on the new students who wanted to become members. This had been going on for years. They needed to put their new members to the test to make sure they were serious about wanting to join. Of course, that wasn't the only reason for pranks. The older members of the frat had a lot of fun laughing at the way their pranks and tricks would scare the younger students. That's why they were so unhappy with one student who wanted to become a member of their frat. His name was Jeremy, and nothing they did seemed to bother him very much. Tricks that would terrify others didn't seem to scare Jeremy at all. One day, a few of the members of the frat decided that they would play their scariest prank yet on Jeremy. They showed up at his dorm saying they wanted to take him out for a ride in the country. They said there was something he needed to do if he really wanted to join the frat. Jeremy agreed, but he was already seemed a little more frightened than he usually would be. But since he didn't say very much for the entire ride, about a half an hour of driving, they reached an old abandoned house. It was very dark out. We're going down to the basement, the driver of the car said. We have to show you something down there, Jeremy. They all went down to the basement, two of them holding Jeremy by the arms to make sure he wouldn't run away. That should be a red flag right there. Uh, The driver carried a bag with him. Jeremy wasn't sure what could possibly be in it. 
When they got down to the basement, they needed flashlights to see. And it looked like all that was down there was a small bed. Get on that bed, Jeremy, the driver said. You have to do this if you want to be part of our frat. Another red flag. Uh, at first, Jeremy didn't move, but he figured that this was just a prank and he'd be fine. But when he got on the bed, the boys suddenly held him down. They tied his arms and legs to the bed so tight that he could barely move. They put a gag in his mouth and a blindfold over his eyes. What kind of club is this? Don't worry, Jeremy, the driver said. All we're going to do is cut your arm a little so we can get a few drops of blood. We need to know if you have what it takes to be a member of our fret. Jeremy tried to struggle, but he was tied up so tight he couldn't do anything. In the meantime, the driver took out a knife. He never actually planned on cutting Jeremy. Instead of using the dull blade of the blade, he ran the dull flat side of the blade along Jeremy's arms. One of the other boys poured out a little bit of cold water over the spot where the driver had ran the knife along Jeremy's arms to make him think he actually been cut. They knew Jeremy was so scared he wouldn't realize the water wasn't actually his blood. They had to all try very hard not to laugh while they played at the trick. They also set up a pan beneath Jeremy's arm so he could hear the water dripping down. They tied the water bottle to a rope hanging from the ceiling, tilted it just perfectly so it would continue to slowly drip water in a pan. That way Jeremy would hear the dripping and think he was still bleeding. Uh, we're going to go out for a little bit, the driver said. We should be back in a few hours. Don't bleed too much, Jeremy. We hope none of the rats down here get you while we're out. The older members of the frat went driving around for a while, joking how badly they finally scared Jeremy. They couldn't wait to see the look on his face when they got back. But when they finally got back to the basement, all that changed. Jeremy was so still, it looked like he almost had fallen asleep. When they took off the blindfold and the mouth gag, they could see that his face was frozen in a look of complete fear. They tried to get Jeremy to snap out of it, but he wouldn't respond. The frat members got kicked out of the school after that. The doctor had told them Jeremy died of fright. Oh, snap. Man, that's crazy, right? <laughs> but, you know, honestly, back in the day, fraternity um, fraternity pledges used to go through a lot of rigorous training, man, just to be part of a group. I mean, at the end of the day, you always remember that you're going to be part of a brotherhood regardless of what sort of pledging um, activities you get thrown into. But, yeah, they, they, they went a couple. They went a little too far on a few things back in those days. See, nowadays, not so much because the hazing, you know, led to harassment. But you see, back in those days, though, if you weren't part of it and you weren't willing to deal with that stuff, they said you weren't material and you didn't get to be a part of it. Now, there's a lot of movies that talk about that sort of thing, particularly Animal House and if you went to a historical black college uh, school days. But, you know, the thing is, it's like at the end of the day, if you really got to go through the Olympics just to join something and, you know... It really costs like your well-being and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't think it's really worth it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I guess when I started J360, I put Mondo through a rigorous training. <laughs> Which, by the way, I apologize for that, man. I was young and didn't know any better. <laughs> Actually, he turned out okay. He's still vice president. But this is when we had a whole bunch of other people in the group and stuff like that. You know, you try to form things with your old high school buddies. And then, well, they weren't anything, so they all got thrown out by me. I'm good with it, though. <laughs> Damn shame. Other than that, though, Mondo kicked a lot of ass in that whole rigorous thing. We should bring it back some. I'm kidding. Kidding. Ain't no way I'm bringing that back. Oh, man. But you know something? As I, as I look at it, we need more like us, 
college horror stories sometime. Like, I haven't seen a decent one in a while now. You know what I mean? Huh. Well, let me go ahead and uh, find something to write on. I got time tonight. Actually, we got a little bit. No, no, we're getting closer to the end. But again, I think you guys can handle this one more story, all right? The figure in the room. The old woman had not been sleeping well for weeks. She lived with her daughter, and her daughter had been very sick. The woman had spent so much time caring for her that she never got a chance to get much rest. Because of this, when she finally decided to go to sleep, it usually wouldn't take her very long to fall asleep. One night, she was just about to fall asleep when she heard a noise that worried her. The woman listened closely. It sounded like someone was walking up the stairs from the lower level of the house. Then it sounded like it was walking down the hallway towards her room. Her room was so dark that she could barely see anything. But a moment after the footsteps reached her door, she thought it was this figure step inside. It only stayed a moment before walking to her daughter's room. It sounded like the figure opened a door quickly before closing it. After that, it left the daughter's room and went back downstairs and out the front door again. It was very dark, but it had almost looked like the figure was now carrying a piece of her daughter's clothing with it. Normally, the woman would have rushed to her daughter to see if she was okay this time. She'd been so close to sleep that she believed that it must have been a dream. She'd been so worried about her daughter's illness that it was no surprise that she was having nightmares. However, the same thing happened the next night. Now, the woman wondered if it truly had been a dream, but she decided it probably was. She chose not to mention anything to the rest of the family or her daughter. Everyone else had also been very worried, and she didn't want to give them any more reasons to worry. Then it happened again. On this night, the woman knew she wasn't awake, so it couldn't have been a dream. But she still thought that maybe she was just imagining what she had seen. When she heard the figure walk out the front door, she looked out her window to see if she could get a better look at it in the moonlight. And it was definitely real. The figure slowly walked to the churchyard across the street, and that's when she lost sight of it. That was the last night the figure had appeared. Instead, the woman's daughter died the next night. The family buried her in the churchyard. So, in other words, that was her daughter. Dang, could you imagine? Whew! Man, you talk about some chillers tonight. This has actually been pretty good for the Monster Fest this year. Yep, well, let's see. I'm out of time on the show, so I'm out of ammo right now. But, I will let you all know this. We'll be back with some more J360 Monster Fest stuff this coming week. And um, it was good celebrating Halloween with all of y'all. Y'all stay safe, enjoy yourself, and since it's getting closer to midnight, of course, have fun taking all that makeup and stuff off, and then, of course, you know, that candy you ate, nah, I'll let you figure it out on your own. <laughs> but until then, this is the J-Man signing off, so I will catch you all laters, and you know, live well and be about that life. Oh, come on. Get the theme song going. <laughs>